Welcome to another Ramblings from the Road. It's a Monday morning. Running fractionally late from work, which is not usually standard. I like trying to be on time, but uh, yeah, this one's been a bit of a strain this morning. Um, driving something different today. I've got uh, one of the work cars, a Toyota Hilux Ute, which is uh, a lot quieter than mine uh, inside. A little bit stiffer ride though. Um, could probably do, and they're always talking about uh, these things being a bit jumpy in the back end and could use uh, some extra weight, which is what they're made for, carrying loads to calm them down, so that makes sense too. But um, it's kind of nice to have something different. Oh, you can hear the bumps in my voice, I think, um, to get to work. Um, so today's uh, old man's son has got his knuckles cracking. I think it's going to be a warmer one. Um, it's weird. We're the last month of spring here in Australia, and uh, the weather has been everywhere. Um, and in the mornings, um, before I get up, uh, there's a heater in our room that's got a timer on it. So got that just to kick in just to take the edge off the cold mornings which this time of the year is just ridiculous but anyway it's uh climate change isn't real according to uh whoever um and there in its own there's an interesting discussion with the, the whole climate change people say there's no such thing as global warming um i suppose there's global warming and global cooling but gl- climate change is real um, whether it was something, and it is something that's always, through history, it's proven to be there. Climate changes, and it gets hotter and it gets cooler. It's just the way it's changing is, uh, in our lifetime, it seems to be quite unusual. Um, if you subscribe to certain theories, the, the professionals have looked at it and said it's never changed like this before, but... Um, in terms of the time that we've actually been around to experience it. Uh, We've got some things set in history that we can look at and say, well, that's a definitive marker and yes, it's plus or minus, whatever that marker is. Myself, I go a little bit off the the memory um, of uh, when I was growing up, which is, hey, God, I can't remember last week sometimes, but... um, I do remember overall how I grew up and I can't remember the weather doing what it's doing to us. Winter was winter, summer was summer. There wasn't such aggressive weather patterns. Um, So it's definitely changing. Um, I think the issue that I can see coming or going forward, uh, and I'm not gonna be around for this, I'll be uh, long in the ground before it's um, catastrophic, I think, is that uh, this world is on a path where we're all going to get wiped out as humans, which is probably not a bad thing because we've done nothing good for it at points. I can't actually see anything or too many things where the earth would actually thank us for being around. Um, so I, I don't. I'm glad I haven't got kids, put it that way, uh, to lead them into this world of what we're setting them up for climate-wise um, and environment-wise. Ugh, it's been a rough one. Um, I always get a little 
on guard when I say that I wouldn't want to bring kids to this world because I have friends and family that have got kids that are either coming into this world, are in this world, and this is what they're going to look forward to. Um, yeah, I feel sorry for them, and it's I really don't want to. Uh, what's the word? I don't want to bring it down from, but it's the reality. Um, it's not cool. Actually, literally not cool. It's too hot, and then it's too cold, and everything in between. So, um, I'm curious to see what people of any age have to say around the world if they can remember doing this, and it's just certain places or certain people that seem to remember it otherwise. But um, yeah, I don't. I can't remember it being like this in in my age, uh, my timeline. And talking to people that are around that are older than me, they can't remember it either. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not a good thing. Um, I always wonder too that um, how much I'm contributing to the problem. I, I like to recycle. I I tend to ride a push bike a reasonable amount, and I'm healthy, and I don't litter, and all the rest. But then I also own a car that probably uses as much fuel as the as maybe five to ten normal family size cars in a year um maybe not that bad actually probably is that close um which obviously doesn't help either uh and i like motorsports which probably doesn't help either and yeah i don't know swings and balances maybe i'm balancing myself out with uh being a, a bad person with motorsports and fast cars and fast motorbikes and using up fuel that way, maybe I'm offsetting it slightly with riding a bike and being healthy and trying to tread lightly elsewhere. So, just the thought. Just thinking about it, going back to some old school stuff. Um, the car I'm driving at the moment, it's got cruise control, it's an automatic, um, hasn't got much more, hasn't got all the new, new lane depart and pre-crash warning and all that sort of business, but still, it's got the basics, which is fine. Um, but even then, uh, when I drove this one home on Friday night, um, I sent the cruise control and going up hills and down hills, uh, it's got a modern-ish um, automatic gearbox. It's got um, sports mode where you can manually shift it up and down or whatever. But if you leave it in automatic and you're just driving it and you're relying on the um, cruise control to do what you should be doing, it's a mess. Um, going up hills, it's holding a, a low gear and screaming its head off. Um, and then it'll jump up a gear and then lug for a bit and futz around and then uh, once you've crested a hill or you're going down a hill uh, and it senses that you're going faster than whatever the cruise control is set at um, it'll drop you down a gear from an engine braking point of view but it'll do it really aggressively and just be same thing so uh, I've driven it twice over the, the same roads and I thought I'd try something and actually put it just into drive like usual no cruise control went up the same hill and down the same hill and um, basically just metered my response through the accelerator and had a nice drive up and an easy enough drive down and 
um, if the car was uh, on a steeper hill descending, like I'm about to do actually, uh, coming into the, the big city, there's this one hill that uh, is a lower speed zone and um, I constantly watch people riding their brakes the whole way to the bottom. Um, and it got me thinking, um, and it came, sort of came about too, because this particular car uh, or vehicle, four-wheel drive, is known for going through brake road as people that just ride the brakes and overheat them, and they tend to get a bit of a heat warp in them. Um, and then they get brake shutter and people get panicky. But um, I was thinking people don't really drive cars the way they used to. They going up a hill, they'll rely on a cruise control to tell them how fast or how far they're going, or they'll rely on the engine screaming its head off just because they don't know how to do a little bit of engine braking or judicious application of the foot brake and that sort of thing. Um, there's a lot of these skills that seem to be dying and I, I now wonder what the young kids are getting taught at um, driving school what the instructors are teaching them about some of the old school techniques that I think are just essential for anyone that drives a vehicle. Head checks, um, always looking in your mirrors, knowing about engine braking and not riding your brakes and cooking them down a long hill and um, potential stopping distances and um, you know where your hands are on the wheel and all the rest. I'm, I'm really not sure how much is getting taught. Um, I'd love to sit in on a couple of um, uh, driving instructors, driving school courses and see what they say. You know, don't do this, don't do that. Switch off these aids or turn these aids on. And I'm, I wonder if now they get, people get more babied with these aids that um, they don't know how to drive a car properly. They rely on anti-slip control rather than knowing how to counter steer out of a, a slide if it you know a little slide I think most people should be able to counter steer out of and yet I'm wondering if they can or if they just solely rely on the electronics of the cars but even the most basic cars these days seem to have some sort of anti-slip or ABS braking um, which also got me thinking the other day I had a bit of a laugh about this uh, the company I work for produces what's recognised as the best hybrids in the world. Um, they're not a full electric vehicle, but they do have an electric motor, and a lot of the time they're running on that low-speed stuff uh, in and around work, and you base, you don't hear them come up on you. Um, I seem to remember a report somewhere uh, a little while ago, I can't remember if it was London or LA or something like that, um, where there are a lot of uh, hybrid and electric vehicles that the incident rate of people, pedestrians getting hit was higher. Um, I was thinking some of that could be put down to people just not paying attention on their phones, just stepping out. Um, kind of the opposite, uh, but same of um, the car thing, that not so much electronic aids, nobody teaches them to look left and look right when they step out off the footpath and cross here and pay attention to your surroundings. I think all that's going out too. Um, but also that um, I know we, I use um, 
oral cues to tell me when something's coming. I can hear a big truck coming, I can hear a car coming, I can, but you can't hear a car coming these days. Um, the electric um, and hybrid cars are definitely, uh, they're, they're silent. Um, trucks are going that way too. I can't remember if it's DAF or Volvo or whatever um, are starting to make autonomous trucks um, that are electric. You can't hear the damn things. I mean, God knows how many tons they are racing away. And if you stepped out in front of one of those, well, I think if you step out in front of a, a small car that's doing 60 kilometers an hour, that's pretty much a game ender if you if you're very unlucky, even with all the safety standards of crash impact bullshit and what have you these days. So the, yeah, these vehicles that do all of this for us and they're quiet are changing the way that we drive for sure. Um, and I, I had a, a laugh too thinking about, I had one of these um, hybrid Toyotas sneak up on me with one of our staff the other day and I genuinely, and I'd like to think I'm very good at knowing my surroundings, um, I didn't pick it was close to me until it was only 20 or 30 feet away, which isn't much. Um, and I suddenly thought all the car chase scenes and um, in the movies are going to have to be faked. You're not going to have any screeching of tyres or locking up of brakes or powerful engines racing away or anything like that anymore. Now I'm wondering if car chase scenes are a thing of the past. Um, are we going to get to a point where um, car chase scenes you can sit and clip your nails while all the excitement's going on and you wouldn't know? It's, uh, which that in its own is a, a bit of a sad thought. Um, but you don't hear brakes locking up and people's cars slamming into one another, accidents around the corner, down the street anymore. It's um, it's just bang, that's it. So there's no pre-crash warning from the screecher tires. There's just nothing. You just go bang. <laughs> um, and I think for me, modern cars, and I've said this before, are boring, that they, they don't inspire you to want to drive. They're very efficient too efficient maybe but um they've taken the not only have they taken the fun out of it they've taken the human out of it where and maybe that is a good thing because to a degree because humans are stupid at times but i think these things let us get more stupid that we're not accountable anymore it's all on the car um somebody came into my work it's a car dealership the other day and winched and bitched and moaned that their reversing camera and parking sensors didn't tell them early enough that they were going to give a, a little post a bit of a love tap and they put that all on on these extra sensors which are there as a um, auxiliary sensor to you paying attention to what's going on around you and I think these days the most of the review uh, review cameras have a little disclaimer saying you know you, you still need to be aware of your surroundings and so on and so forth but um this person couldn't get it in their head that you actually need to check your mirrors and if you're not sure get out of the car and have a look and you know if you back into something it's on you and she wanted to blame the car and blame the manufacturer and blame anybody but the fact 
that she fucked up herself wasn't to blame, which um, that time was a quite a comical thing, but it's hard not to berate somebody for being, you can't be mad at somebody because they're stupid. You can be sad for them for sure and take pity on them or help them or guide them or whatever, but just because they're stupid. But when there's a lack of accountability, I guess, um, and they just want to blame anybody but themselves for everything, it seems these days. Um, if I screw up, I put my hand, I screwed up. Uh, I'm the first guy to put his hand up and say, yep, I messed up um, and learn from it and move on. And hopefully it's not a diabolical mess up that you know changes somebody's life, which is entirely possible these days with the, these cars and trucks and things like that. So um, yeah, it was just a, it's, that's one of the things that sort of gets to me with um, all these safe cars that aren't so safe. So here's a thing that sort of gets to me from time to time. Um, what is it? It's about 5.30 in the morning. Uh, sunlight is barely about. The street lights are on. I'm just coming through uh, a town on my way to training this morning and um, it's very quiet there's not much traffic about uh, the streets are basically empty and most mornings when I'm coming through here this early um, you get a good chance to have a look if there's anyone on the street you'll notice them if there's somebody out jogging or a street sweeper or whatever but regularly I'll see um, just, I shouldn't say homeless people, but I'm guessing destitute people that obviously a little bit rough or down on their luck walking along or what I just saw stumbling along. Um, I just saw an old, old man and he's, he doesn't move very well at all. He's obviously all arthritic and he's probably got some injuries by the looks of the way he was limping not just from you know like stiff joints but something's obviously been put together badly at some point for him or broken badly um and he had a an old rolled up cigarette sort of half hanging out of his mouth and i, I could have been wrong but it looked like he was maybe mumbling a little bit to himself if the cigarette movement was anything to go by and he had this look in his eyes, this far off vacant look, and all he was doing was basically crossing one of the intersections and um, just trying to get to the other side of the intersection, obviously, and move on. But at a past five in the morning, there's, you know, I didn't look like the sort of guy that'd be going to work, didn't look like the sort of guy that was heading to the gym, whatever was going on. I don't think he was in the greatest of places and I see a lot of people like that in the mornings here. Um, I see young girls, not even women, pushing uh, prams, strollers, call them what you will, um, at this hour, not wearing appropriate clothing for the time of the day or the weather and, and just looking rough and guys like this old man and I get sad because I, I wonder what their story is that all they're doing is keeping their head above water and 
it um, a curious part of me wants to know what this story is. How did they get here? What are they doing right now? What are they trying to achieve? Are they trying to achieve anything? Are they just like left foot, right foot until they get through? Or um, I do it uh, where I'll see a, a plane taking off and I'll, I'll sort of drive basically right under it and you, you look up and you can just make out in the tiny little dots that are windows you might even be able to uh, if you're that close and where I where I drive uh, under the airport flight path you can you can almost see people and I always wonder whether they're landing they're flying in or they're, they're taking off it even if you can't see them, you look in the windows and you wonder where people are going, why they're going. Is, is it work? Is it a holiday? Are they heading to go and meet friends? Are they traveling for a funeral? Are, are they scared of flying or are they joyous? Are they young? Are they... It just makes me wonder, it's all, this, all these people going about their day um, and... You look at them, you don't judge them, you just look at them and wonder what they're doing. And it, yeah, it kind of makes me sad that I can't find out everything about everything. Um, I remember there was a movie years ago, Christopher Lambert in it called Highlander. Oh God, years ago, decades ago. So very long ago. Um, basically about a guy that was immortal. Um, and just couldn't die and he went through all these various iterations and it's not going to be a spoiler alert this, that movie's long gone um, but the right at the very end the gist of it all he got mortality um, he could die he could grow old he could have kids all the rest um, and one of the you know, gifts that he was left with was that he could hear people's thoughts and hear everything that was going on in the world as he was going to grow old and die um, that was the, the tiniest bit of it at the end of it all but um, I don't know if that would be a blessing or a curse knowing what everybody's thinking doing but um, it still makes me wonder I don't think I'm the sort of guy where people see me walk past or ride past or whatever where they wonder what I'm up to but um must look a bit weird mornings like this morning where I come out of the gym and I'm all sweaty and I've got little Muay Thai shorts on and it might be a cold morning but I've just got bare legs because I'm all overheated and on my way to work and they'll see me walking across the road to work I must wonder what the hell I'm wearing first and foremost because Muay Thai shorts aren't exactly flattering they're kind of a weird looking thing um, very vibrant very bright but yeah, um, I don't think I'm that sort of person where people are curious about what I am or what I do, but um, I know I do it a lot with other people, so yeah, just a thought, nothing more. So another road trip on, uh, heading towards home of an evening, and got me thinking there's a podcast I love to listen to uh, Australian motoring um, motoring sporting commentator a guy called Greg Rust who in 
some roundabout way, he kind of got me to do this. Not that he knows it, and he probably never will. Um, for Rusty's Garage. Uh, and basically, he talks to a number of motorsports people about where they've come from, what they're doing, various races, their cars, their passion. And a lot of his is about the passion for the cars themselves rather than just the race car driver and their accolades and their palmares and that sort of thing. It's a lot A lot of his uh, podcast is about the actual vehicles and the love of driving, which is very, very cool. Um, one of the things that he does in his podcast is he'll talk to some pretty famous people and uh, in the course of it, ask them, you know, what project are they working on right now? What have they got in the garage? Is it, is it one of their old race cars that means something or is it just something they grew up with? And there's some surprising answers. There's uh, guys that their first car back in the day, they've bought it back or their first go-kart, I think one of the guys had and they're, you know, trying to find the period specific parts or they're just making it back to the way it was or there's people that have kept their own uh, major title winning race cars that uh, some of them I, I know are worth millions of dollars or, or thereabouts um, but they mean something to these people which is cool um, and there's also a question if you could have any car in the garage what would it be um, and that's many and very two and it got me thinking um, and I've got a uh, an enormous and rather eclectic mix of, of dream cars. There's certain ones that have stayed in that list and will never disappear. Uh, and there's ones that come and go depending on, I don't know, my age or my mindset at the time or being influenced by that car coming, not necessarily in and out of fashion, but in and out of my periphery and if I gain more knowledge about a car, it can sometimes become more desirable or it can become less desirable if I find out more than I don't, don't like about them. Um, and ma the majority of the cars I've got in my dream garage, I've never driven and I probably never will. Um, but I'd like to think I will. Um, and I, when I was very young, I would have been, uh, I'm gonna say 13, maybe 14. Um, I watched a movie, uh, we had this weird thing at high school where I think they called it movie club or something and it was a 20 cent donation and at lunchtime where everybody's outside playing and whatever, um, over the course of a, usually two lunches or three lunches, they'd show a film on, on VHS tape and whatever it might be. Um, opt in or opt out, you know, it's a movie about Australian history, or it was this, that or the other, but uh, whoever was running it was sort of a bit more cinematic, and there was, I know one time there was Mad Max, which is iconic when it comes to, well, the Interceptor Falcon, the supercharged uh, last of the V8 Interceptors, uh, people that have seen that movie know that reference, um, and there are few other movies and I, I would generally prefer to be outside but occasionally and I remember in winter um, we didn't really want to run around so a lot of people took this uh, movie club thing as an option just to get inside and lunch and stay warm um, and they played a movie called Running on Empty which was 
that or you go in into IMDB, the Internet Movie Database, and put in Running on Empty. There's a number of different versions, but one of them is an Australian movie um, with no real big-name actors that I can remember, except for there was the lead lady, and it was actually a also a lead singer out of a band. But the movie focused on muscle cars, Australian muscle cars predominantly, but the hero car in it for me was a supercharged 1957 Chevy. Um, and to this day, watching this thing tear up the screen and how it all ran and things like that has stuck with me to the point where I have never given up on wanting a 57 Chev. And my horizons have expanded a little. I've gone to 55, 56 and 57 Chevs, the shoeboxes, and then which is the 55 and the 56 really. Uh, 57's got wings uh, on the back um, and there's subtle little differences but that general shape I personally think is timeless and to me it's an American uh, well they weren't originally made as a muscle car but they were and I just love that shape and that movie to this day has stayed with me and certain lines out of it um, the, the very few people that will ever hear this podcast and then even fewer people will know the lines out of it the Spoto 57 Chev and what's your name Piss Off, oh that must be a Polish name along those lines, anyway great movie to me, I love it to bits um, haven't seen it for, for a while now but I own two copies at home so I probably need to go back and have another look, it's, it's getting more and more terrible and aged but I, I love it but the Chev, and that car sticks with me. Um, another one was uh, my very first car um, that I had got my license in legally was a little uh, Mini, um, a Leyland Mini. Mine was the, uh, I'm going to say, I think I had the 1100 engine in mine. So, but. Um, we bought it for next to nothing with some panel damage and we sort of fixed it up as best as possible and I ran around that for ages and I, I loved the thing and the more I learned about them, the more I found out there were uh, the Mini Cooper S's out there and I always wanted a Cooper S Mark II which was the incredibly fast for its size and it got the nickname the brick because it was a little brick on wheels but uh, would pull apart many bigger and more fancied cars via handling and power to weight. Um, so I always wanted a Cooper S Mark II. I think they're not completely outrageously priced at the moment. They probably will be by the time I get around to one. Um, but I can see myself having one of those in the shed at some stage, hopefully. There's there's so many others. Um, I always wanted a nice Mazda Rotary of some form and as it transpires, I've I've got a little bit of a project there already that me and my brother hopefully will get to work at, at uh, as a team in the years to come. Um, it's got a family story behind it that's happy and sad, um, but yeah, I hope to get that one back. Uh, I'm very lucky. I am one of my dream cars was always the the R32, the Nissan GDR, and I own it, and it's never going anywhere. I, I've often thought what the hell am I going to do with this thing to will it on uh, if I 
that car. Uh, but it is a very, very serious weapon um, that people should tread very gently with. And I, I can't work out for the life of me who the hell to will it onto. I thought my brother, but then he's probably sick of working around big high horsepower cars but if it's mine he might want it or my nephew but I don't know that he's a car kid my niece who has signs of petrol in her blood uh, I don't know but um, that car's a keeper for me uh, and there's a myriad of other ones there's all the supercars I'd love to drive the F40 Ferrari um, the Bugatti Veyron which I'd was I'd love to have a drive it's not a car on my hit list McLaren F1 the greatest in my eyes supercar ever made naturally aspirated um, a real driver's car the Gordon Murray vision of power to weight uh, it's an old car now from back in the 90s and it's still an absolute sledgehammer and the way it was designed it's a masterpiece um, I'll never get to own one of those a good second hand one of those is two to three million dollars at least um, so that's out unless the huge lotto win comes in a big lead sled a, a Chevy Impala or a Ford Galaxy or something like that um, a Mustang an old school Mustang and I was talking with a co-worker today would I want a fastback or the coupe style or GT500s have always caught my eyes um, things like that Camaros, old and new, um, Porsche Turbo, the old 911s, the Widowmaker, the GT2 RS. Um, I've got a friend who's, his mate has one that I got introduced to, $750,000. Just insane, some of the engineering, and, and the thing is not unlike my GDR, that it's an absolutely terrifying, terrifying car if you get it wrong. Uh, it's a driver's car. I love that about it. RS6 Audi wagon, um, something that looks like a family wagon and goes as good as a Lamborghini. Well, it actually has a Lamborghini's engine in it. So, um, things like that. So, I've got a million and I can ramble on and on and you'll get sick of it. But one of the things coming back to, to Greg Rust uh, on Rusty's garage is that he asked these guys, you know, and I've always wanted to ask Greg Rust you're always asking these people what's your dream car and why and so on and so forth. I'd love to know what his one is so I think at some stage I'll jump on Twitter and, and throw that one out to him more so that he gets to finally have his say and he can put it out there um, I've met some fairly famous people over the years some that have got a lot of money and what I would think of as no taste when they tell me their desire of automobiles most of most people seem to do it for the what I call the pose factor they just want the latest and greatest or what everybody else is buying and there's no rhyme or reason to the to the desire for their cars um, the car that uh, Paul Walker famously died in the the Carrera GT Porsche and everybody goes oh you can't have one of those they're, they're a killer car and they don't handle it so, well that's not true and that's a, a massively desirable car for me being a driver's car again um, any car is dangerous you can have a crash in a stock standard Holden Commodore or Ford Falcon or whatever it might be and kill yourself just as easily as a supercar just 
the fast cars obviously bring out that passion in us to maybe drive a little faster or push a little harder or take a few more risks and next thing you know you're in trouble in a supercar rather than a standard car but the reality is cars are very dangerous in general because it's a fast moving hunk of metal and plastic and rubber and glass that yeah anything above 5k's an hour if it hits you it's going to hurt and anything above I don't know 20, 30, 40k's an hour, it's really either going to do some damage or kill you possibly. So, yeah, but we all love our cars. So, yeah, the passion of driving. Um, the reason I'm on the road today is I'm, I'm coming back from a car show meeting that I'll be helping run in about three weeks' time, and it's all about the passion of the show, and that's uh, we're not in it to make money, it's a charity show. Um, but it's for the passion of the cars. So I'm very curious. I'm always, people say they're a Holden man or a Ford man in Australia or they're a Chevy man or a whatever it might be. Uh, and certain people, if it, you're not on their brand, uh, I've, I've got someone I know who the brand that they own is the only brand and uh, in cars and motorbikes they've got brands but if it's that brand it's their way or the highway and everything else is crap and then if they change brands then that brand is the the new thing I'm not really um, I don't really care about the brand of a car Um, there's nothing I hate if it's a good iteration of a vehicle if it's well thought out and it does its job or it's different then I'm probably into it I I'll look at something from a, an old Model T Ford all the way through to the McLaren P1 or whatever their latest hero car is and everything in between. If it's well done, well thought out, well presented, I'm into it, um, which is why we do these shows. So um, I get that people are passionate about their favourite car like I said I'm lucky I own one of my dream cars and it has always been uh, the car for me now it's it's limited in its uses it's uh, definitely flawed it's not a nice car to live with as an everydayer you can't hear yourself think it's vicious it's um, hard edged you can't really have a peaceful drive in it that's for sure um the local constabulary don't like it very much things like that but um, it has character and I I know I've used that word before so uh, passion, character the things, emotions that um, going back to an old topic from another podcast that new cars generally don't bring out that pay you don't see a new car and go god damn I've got absolutely got to drive that or have that it, it's it's iconic it'll live on forever we don't know it obviously that you know a car that comes out in the last two two to five years or last week what it's going to look like in 30 years if it'll be desirable or not um, the Ford GT phase three the, the GT HO um, who knew that at the time the, the fastest I remember the actual uh, thing that it was credited with. It was either the fastest or the most powerful or both uh, four-door sedan in the world. Um, And we built it here in Australia and we were quite proud of it. But it 
basically a boring family car with a dirty big engine and a, a few hop-up bits and um, a car that I think they cost about $4,700 back when they came out in the 70s and now are worth, you know, depending on where you buy it and what, who you talk to, half a million to a million bucks for a car that's completely outdone by a modern WRX at 45,000 bucks or whatever, but it's an icon, so yeah, let's see where these modern cars go. Anyway, just a few thoughts for the road on this particular round. I'm going to leave that one with you. Three or four bits um, that I can sort of piece together for an episode now. Um, I'm not sure some of these guys that are really good podcasters will go for an hour to three hours. I'm not that. Um, I'm not famous. I'm, I'm not anyone. I'm nothing, really. Um, I'm already uh, starting to feel a little self-conscious that I've rambled on too much, but then... That's what this is about, rambling, and it's just about me throwing it out there. So it's, I'm not looking to gain follower uh, listeners or lose listeners. I don't even think there's any listeners out there. So uh, whether there is in the future doesn't really worry me. I'm just throwing this one out there. But um, I'm also mindful that I, I do something that's worth something that... Uh, when I'm gone that somebody looks back and has a listen to this and goes, oh, okay, that's where his head was at or where he was at at the time or that's a good thought or that was a debatable thought or whatever it might be. So, I don't know. I still have not really the greatest idea why the fuck I'm doing this other than it's a little bit cathartic. Uh, my girlfriend egged me on to, to actually, she thinks I can put a couple of words together better than, uh, than I think I can whether or not that's true is we'll see um and yeah just inspired by just normal everyday people out there that are putting together some pretty cool stuff to put out knowledge and thoughts and vibes and yeah i don't know if i'm contributing or taking away from the experience but i'm putting it out there but with that i think i'm going to sign off on this particular episode and see if i can get my heads in its scrambled form around some new stuff for later so for now onwards and upwards